nice to be here this morning. <clears throat> I've been thinking about this for two weeks since Pastor Hank asked me, uh, but when I woke up this morning, I wasn't sure if I was going to make it here. It is way worse than Ishpeming this morning. Uh, <clears throat> I'm glad uh, to be here. There are so many of you that I would love to spend lots of time catching up with before I leave this morning, but it's not going to be possible. So I am going to spend just a little bit of time before I start into my message sharing where I'm at and what I'm doing now, because I get that question a lot. So, almost a year ago, uh, I quit attending Bethel to go up and start attending Crossbridge Church in Ishpeming and see if I could help in any way up there. Uh, some of you are probably thinking, we didn't even know you left. Some of you are probably thinking, we didn't even know you were here at one point. <clears throat> but it was almost a year ago, and I, I left because I, I had been in a weird place in my life. <clears throat> I had really been struggling, and it, Jim knows this because I, I share this with Jim and Laura often at the beginning of last year. I was so frustrated. I felt like, I, I told Jim, I told my mom, I felt like a tiger who had been put in a cage, and I was asking the question often, if a tiger's in a cage and he can't do anything that a tiger does, is a tiger really a tiger at all? And I was, I was just struggling with that question, wondering, you know, what, where do I go from here? My life had taken a turn, and I was trying to figure out what to do next and where I was going. And I remember calling my mom, and I was very frustrated one day, and she, she gets all of it. My mom... I call her because she's my mom, but she's also uh, has a master's in counseling, biblical counseling, so it's like a bonus when I call her. <laughs> and so far, she hasn't billed me. <laughs> but I called her, and I was, I was just struggling with that question, like, what do I do? I feel like God has called me to do one thing, and I feel like I'm not able to do that. And she said, well, why don't you feel like you're able to do that? And I said, well, Mom, I had this position at Bethel, where I felt like I was finally doing my dream job, doing what I was called to do, and now I can't do that. And she said, why? And I said, because I don't have that position anymore. I was finally in full-time Christian ministry, and now I'm not. And she said this to me. I don't know if she remembers saying this, but she said, what difference does that make? I don't know. That really shook me. It was like she was reaching through the phone and giving me smelling salts or slapping me in the face. And I thought, I, I, don't, I don't know what you mean by that. And she said, if God's called you to do something, what difference does the position you have make? I thought, that's a good question. So I really started thinking about that. And that's what led me to, to, to go up to Ishpeming and start attending Crossbridge because I felt like God had called me to do something and I felt like I should be doing it. And so what I've been doing since then is I go to church at Crossbridge. I work with their junior high youth group. I've got a bunch of very energetic junior hires that come every week. I get opportunities to preach there. I get opportunities to counsel there, which I never thought I would do because I don't like to do it. But there's some people who just want to talk. And Jim has taught me how to talk to people. 
Actually, he just taught me how to listen, which is the problem I had before was I didn't do a lot of that. And I've been able to share with people in incredible ways that I never thought I would have opportunity for. People who are on the edge of suicide. And I'm able to give them hope through God's word. People struggling with the difficulties of life and I'm able to give them hope through God's word. I have a youth group in Gwyn. It's a basketball team of 8th grade kids. And I get to go out there and I get to minister to them. One of them, I, I, he was going to have surgery and I was praying with him, with the team. And he went down to Detroit and told everybody in Detroit at the hospital how his, his coach was a Christian. He was so excited about that. But God gave me an opportunity to minister in a way that I never thought I would. God gave me a job at a church that before I took the job there, I didn't even know was a church. And every day I get the opportunity to minister to people in a variety of ways. God gave me the opportunity to speak at various places and I get to go and share God's word with young people. And I'm not in full-time Christian ministry. I'm now in overtime Christian ministry. <laughs> and I feel very much for the first time in my life like I have come from from feeling dead and defeated to feeling more alive than I have ever felt. And this morning, I was a little embarrassed when I got the bulletin in my email to see that it was the first Sunday of Advent and I had prepared a message that had nothing to do with Christmas. And I'm going to grab my water here, pay no attention to the fact that I'm walking, but I, I was a little embarrassed that I had not prepared an Advent message but I was also surprised to see that <clears throat> Pastor Kevin at Crossbridge, we, we are working through uh, some material by Lifeway called the Gospel Project. I was surprised to see that he was going to be preaching on one of my favorite passages of Scripture. So I was slightly disappointed that I wasn't going to be there to hear him, and I was slightly excited because I'm going to preach on it myself. Because... As I was talking to my mom almost a year ago, and she said, what difference does that make? She also shared with me a passage of scripture, and it's this passage here, Ezekiel chapter 37, if you'll turn there with me. As you're turning there, I'm going to pray for us before we get into God's word. God, I, I thank you so much for this opportunity to be with my family to be with my friends and to be able to share your word this morning. God, you know I am imperfect in the way that I prepare. I'm imperfect in the way that I deliver. But God, this is your word, not mine. I pray that as I speak this morning, you would touch those who need this message. I pray that you would challenge those who need to be challenged, encourage those who need to be encouraged, and God, that you would lift me up through this message. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. 
Ezekiel chapter 37. This is an interesting chapter, and I, I have to be honest, I didn't know a lot about Ezekiel when I first read this passage. I have since learned a lot about him, and he is one of my favorite people in God's Word, one of my favorite prophets, the watchman prophet. He, he's an interesting guy because he has all these, God gives him all these visions. When I first read the book of Ezekiel, if you haven't read it, you've got you to gotta work your way through the book of Ezekiel. It, it's got a lot of amazing stuff in it. A lot of amazing things that God does and says. A lot of amazing things that God shows Ezekiel. As I read, I, I always get a little frustrated when I read Ezekiel because I wonder, why can't I ever have dreams like that? I, I remember the last dream I had. It's not too long ago. I was pregnant. I was hurting everywhere. It was weird. And I thought, why can't I have the kind of dreams that Ezekiel has that have some meaning or some, some message for the future or some warning about Maybe it was a warning about the future. I, I had just eaten a whole bag of Doritos and a Pepsi after getting home from work <clears throat> before going to bed. So maybe there was a warning about the future there. But as I look at the book of Ezekiel, there's just some amazing stuff in here. And as we start into this passage, Ezekiel chapter 37, we need to understand a little bit about Ezekiel. Ezekiel was called to be a prophet. He was not the first prophet who had, had, been, who had been talking to the Israelites, about their sin and their idolatry. There were others like Habakkuk and Jeremiah and Isaiah who had been preaching to and sharing God's word with the Israelites, warning them of potential problems because of their idolatry, about the exile that was coming. They were going to be leaving Jerusalem because of their sin. That Jerusalem was going to be torn apart that the temple was going to be torn down. Ezekiel had been given a message to share with them, and a lot of the words that Ezekiel shared with them were difficult. Ezekiel was a young man. As he was working at sharing God's word with the Israelite people, he had gone through some difficult things, including losing his wife. God had called him to do some very difficult things. Chapter 33 of Ezekiel, God tells him that he's to be a watchman. That as he shares these words with Ezekiel, he wants Ezekiel to take those words to the Israelite people and that he wants them to warn them of the trouble that's coming. And he says if they are warned... If you share that word with them and they don't respond, then that, that's on them. That's their responsibility. But I'm sharing something with you, and if you don't share it with them, and they end up facing punishment or death for their sin, that's on you. You need to be sharing this with people. That's a heavy responsibility. Because some of the things that he was asking Ezekiel to share were difficult. But chapter 37 is a little different. It's a turn. Something Great is going to happen in chapter 37. So let's start into it. I want to read through it first, and then we'll kind of go back through it. It says, The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. And he led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. 
They were scattered everywhere, across the ground, and they were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and to make you alive again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then I watched as muscles and flesh formed over the bones. The skin formed to cover their bodies, but still they had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies, and they all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have, come, we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore, prophesy to them and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, O oh, my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O oh, my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land and you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. This is such a cool vision. In the first three verses, he says, I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around the, the bones that covered the valley floor, and they were scattered everywhere across the ground. You know, as I was growing up in Utah, we would often take trips. My, my parents are missionaries, and so we would take these long trips that went all over the country. And every summer, that was what we were doing it seemed. I remember one time we were headed out to California, and from northern Utah over to California, you got across the bad part of Nevada. And I call it the bad part because there is nothing there. You start out through Utah, and you're going through the Bonneville Salt Flats, which is desolate. <laughs> but it's kind of cool because it's white. But the further you get, you just get into desert. And it's horrible. Because you drive for a long way and it's super hot and there's just nothing. In fact, as I got into my high school years, there was uh, someone who built in the middle of the desert out there a completely ugly tree, man-made tree, just so that there'd be something to look at. That's how desolate it was. And you know, I remember driving through, and it was so hot, and I remember our car broke down one time, and it overheated, and we had to call somebody, and it took forever, it probably took 10 minutes, but when I was young, it took forever for them to get there. And I remember we had to get out of the car, and we were walking around, there was just nothing. It was just sand and a road. There was no sign of life at all. It was just desolate. And as I read this 
section of God's Word, and I read chapter 37, and he says that he took me through this valley of dry bones. The one thing that we did see out there, which we started complaining to my dad about, was there were some dry bones over on the side. I thought soon enough that was going to be me over there. But the interesting thing about the bones out in that desert was they were white. <clears throat> you know, the sun had bleached them, and they were completely uncovered. There was no flesh left on them. The, the insects and the beetles, they, they cover those things, and they pull every last piece of flesh off of it, and then the sun bakes it, and it turns into just a white skeleton. As Ezekiel is walking through this valley of dry bones, This is just a picture of, uh, there is no hope here. This is, a, this is a picture of death and people who are forgotten. I mean, there's nothing left here. It's just dry bones. There's no flesh. There's no smell. There's none of that. It's just the dry bones left. They've been there a long time if they're dry. There's no sign of life and there is no hope. You know, God's Word is awesome because it often gives more than one message at one time. And part of the thing we need to understand, why does He share with us the walking through the dry bones? Why not just share with us about the fact that He was going to do something special with these bones? Why does He talk about walking through this? Why does God lead Ezekiel through this valley of dry bones? One of the things we need to understand as Christians, as believers... Or as unbelievers, if you're here this morning and you, you haven't placed your faith, one thing we need to understand is the reality and the benefit of truth. Sometimes it's really important for us just to be aware of where we're at. And see, this picture of all these dry bones, this was a message to Israel about where they were. Yes, they were in exile. They had been removed from the promised land. They were captives in Babylon. And there was no hope left. Their sin had separated them from God. The presence of God had left the temple before it was destroyed. There seemed to be no hope. And he wants them to understand the reality of where they are. You see, in the previous chapter, he tells them about the fact that he's going to restore them someday. He tells them that he's not only is going to restore them, but it has nothing to do with them. They don't deserve it still, but he's going to do it anyway. But he had told them they were going to be in captivity for a while, 70 years. They're five years into that. He knows how they feel, and he wants them to understand that he knows how they feel. They feel dead and without hope. Sometimes it's helpful for us to recognize where we're at. Sometimes our sin has separated us from God. If you haven't placed your faith in God, your sin is separating you from God. If you have placed your faith in God, there are times when we allow sin to creep into our lives and it makes us feel like we're separate from God. And we begin to lose hope. I mentioned earlier that I have gotten the opportunity to speak with a number of people who are <clears throat> on a ledge 
contemplating suicide or ready to do it, some of them. Some of them have attempted it. What a hopeless place. And as I talk with them, they, they say that they've just lost all reason for hope because of their own failures or their own mistakes or things that were done to them. They find themselves in this hopeless state that is described here at the beginning of chapter 37. They understand the reality of where they are. But this, this passage isn't about that. It's just helpful for us to know where we're at for us to understand the reality of what Jesus I and mean, God is sharing with us in this passage. And as he continues, he asks Ezekiel a question. Can these bones become living people again? Now that's an obvious question, it seems. The answer seems obvious, but Ezekiel knows who God is. See, he says, you alone know the answer to that. He said to me, speak a prophetic message to the bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath in you and make you alive again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. That is a message of hope. God wants to share with the people of Israel, look, it looks bad. And you deserve that because of your sin. But I'm going to restore you. I'm going to bring you back to life. That is an important message for us to hear this morning. If you don't know Christ, that's an important message for you to hear because Christ wants you to have life. He wants you to know him. He wants to relieve you of all of the despair. And he wants to give you hope of an eternal life spent with him. If you're in a dark place in your life today, maybe you know Christ, but you're struggling with a lot of things. The message of God to you in this verse here this morning is that there is hope. He could make you alive again. But I want us to notice in those verses, verses 4 and 5 and 6, what it is that gives life. It's not a change of perspective. It's not simply just a a thought change or, or looking at things differently. What it is that changes things, what it is that gives us life is what does it say? The Word of the Lord. See, God's word, it says, is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It is alive and powerful. It can give you life. You see, when God created the earth, he didn't do it with his hands. He did it with his voice. He spoke and things became. When When Jesus Christ raised people from the dead, he did it with his voice. He spoke and life came back into them. It's God's word that brings life. And we need to keep that in mind as we look at this passage. He says, look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you alive again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So 
Ezekiel said, I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly I spoke and there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. The skin formed to cover their bodies, but still they had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, O breath, from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so they may be alive again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me. And breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and they stood up on their feet, a great army. I find it very interesting here that this is a message that God wants to share with his people, Israel. He wants them to understand that there's hope. No matter how bad it seems and no matter how long they are going to be in exile, there is hope. I think they're going to be made new again. They're going to be brought back to life, even though they feel dead. The interesting part to me is that he doesn't just say that to them. He speaks those words to Ezekiel, and he asks Ezekiel to share those words with him. Now, Ezekiel didn't go share his own words with them. He shared God's word with them. And when he shared God's word with them, it brought them hope. And it gave them life, just as God said it would. As Ezekiel spoke those words that God had shared with him to these dry bones, it started with a noise, the sound of rattling bones. And as he watched, these bones began to assemble themselves into bodies. What an amazing thing to watch. I can't even imagine it, really. Like, to think about this valley full of, of dry bones, and they're all rattling and assembling themselves into bodies. And then before his eyes, he sees tendons and muscles and flesh begin to form onto these bodies. And because of God's word being spoken to them, they came to life. And the breath of God, just as he breathed it into Adam, was breathed in to these dry bones, and they came to life and stood to their feet, an army. What an awesome thing. I said one of, the, one of my favorite things about God's Word is that it's never just one message. That's the trouble of preaching. See, I've got to pick something. But I can't, so I won't. So it's not just a message of hope. But this is a challenge to you and to me. We have God's Word. We hold it in our hands. We bring it to a, with us to church on Sundays. We read it. We study it. And like Ezekiel, we've been asked to do something with it. We've been asked to share that good news. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. We've been asked to share it. And I want us to understand this morning, if we take that seriously, if we do that, if we take that message of hope that helps us to realize that even when we were dead in our sins, there was hope because Jesus Christ died on the cross 
to forgive us for our sins so that we could be made alive. So that we could have life and have it more abundantly, his word says. And if we truly understand that and truly believe that, how can we not share this with those around us? And I want you to understand if you take that seriously and you will share it with those around you. It might start out with a rattle. And they might rattle for a while. But pretty soon, God's word, which he says will not return void, it will start to have an impact in the people that you're sharing with. Now we know from God's word that not everybody will listen and hear. But if you're willing to share God's word with other people, to share this message of hope, the gospel, it will begin to move people. And their bones will start to rattle and they'll start to assemble into the people of God. God's children will begin to rise up and the flesh will return to their bones. The bones that were dead in their sins will raise to life and they will become instruments of God. I think it's interesting in this passage that it says they rose up and stood to their feet and became an army because all through the Old Testament, when we read the name of God, it always says the Lord of, of heaven's armies. That's my favorite way to read God's word. When I read that, when it talks about the Lord, it says the Lord of heaven's armies. I love to think about him that way. But if we're willing to share the gospel with those around us, if we're willing to make our lives a ministry, the people in our lives will begin to change because they'll begin to have life. They'll begin to breathe the breath of God and begin to share with others. At the missions conference this year, the story of the, the, the there's a guy that had a, a map of everybody you've been talking to about God. And when they placed their faith in, in Christ, they got a dot on his map. And he had a spider web of people that they had shared with. And, and that picture just sticks in my head. He carries it around with him. What an awesome thing. But he's sharing God's word with other people and it's changing their lives. And then they're sharing with other people and it's changing other people's lives. People he'll never meet. What an awesome thing. And as we read this passage, not only do we see that when there's death because of sin, there's hope because of the word of God, which breathes life into us. And if we've caught that breath, if we understand who God is and we've placed our faith in Him alone for our salvation, it's time to do something about it. It's time to breathe that hope into the lives of other people. Because it's not just around me that there's people struggling. It's not just around me that there's people who are on the edge of suicide. It's not just around me that there are young people who are really struggling in their own homes just to get by, who need a message of hope, who need to know that, that Jesus can change the whole world for them. He's done that for me. He's changed my whole life. He has given me life. They all came to life and they stood up onto their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, son of man, 
These bones represent the people of Israel. They're saying we have become old, dry bones and all hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, this is what the Lord of heavens... (laughs) Sorry, I read that in there. This is what the sovereign Lord says, O my people. I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will have life again. And you will return home to your own land and you'll know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I said. And what he said was that he was going to bring us back to life and he was going to give us his spirit and if you open up the New Testament, you know he did just that. And I didn't bring an Advent message this morning, but the Advent is all about Jesus Christ and the fact that he came to earth for you and for me. And that's what the message of the end of this section is. God had promised he would do that, that he would send life, that he would bring life, and he would give us his spirit. And Jesus Christ came to the earth and he lived his life And he returned to heaven and he left us his spirit and God kept his word and he said at the very end, I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. He kept his promise. So what does this mean for you and for me? If you're here this morning and you have never placed your faith in God, you've never accepted what he sent his son to do, to die on the cross, to pay the penalty for your sin, if you've never accepted that, the reality, the truth of your life is that you are dead. And there's nothing you can do about it. But Jesus did something for you. He died on the cross to cover the penalty of your sin, to take it away. And all you have to do is believe that he did just that. Believe his word. And you can have life. You can have hope. Because God's word says if you believe that, you will spend everlasting, you will have everlasting life and live eternally with God. That's something to be hopeful about. If you're here this morning and you've, you've accepted Christ as your Savior, but you're struggling because you just don't understand why all these bad things have happened to you, or, or you're struggling because you've been following God for a long time, but you're not seeing fruit, you're not seeing results. It's God that brings results. He's asking you to keep sharing His Word. It's not time to give up. Well, I have lots of friends in ministry who are ready to give up because they're just not seeing the kind of results they expected. As the watchman prophet, God asked Ezekiel just to keep sharing the word no matter how difficult that was. And that's what he did. And he brought hope to the nation of Israel. He brought life to the nation of Israel. And he brought hope to me last year when I wondered what it was that God was wanting me to do. He brought hope to me and he reminded me, God was saying to me, I want you to do what I already told you I wanted you to do. Wake up, Miles. Just keep doing it. Doesn't matter where you're at. Doesn't matter what your circumstances are. Keep doing what I asked you to do. 
God just wants us to hear his word because it brings life. He wants us to study his word, to listen to it because it brings life. And then he wants us to share it because it brings life. The Advent is about Jesus coming. The Bible tells us he came to bring life and to bring it more abundantly. Let that encourage you this morning. His word is all about hope and life. And when you leave here today, let it encourage the people around you because you need to share it with them. You need to let them know what's in God's word. That no matter what we've done, no matter the fact that we don't deserve it, like he says in chapter 36, he's going to do it anyway because he's God. And as he says, he will do what he says. He has promised life to those who believe. He has promised heaven to those who believe. To those who believe, he calls them his children co-heirs with Christ. That's something to be hopeful about. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for the chance to be here this morning. And God, you know I stumble over your words and I stumble over communicating them effectively. But God, it's your word that speaks to me. And I pray that your word has spoken this morning to those of my friends who are here this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to look at your word together. But God, I pray that that's not enough. I pray that we get up from here and we go to our workplace or we go to our home or whatever activities we're involved in in this next week and next month and next year, God, I pray that we don't keep all of this hope to ourselves. That like Ezekiel, God, we, no matter how difficult, will be willing to share this hope with others. And we'll start to hear the rattle. And we'll start to see the flesh. And we'll see the amazing work you do when you breathe life into their lives. I pray this in your name. Amen.